Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we throw down a challenge to the episode of NXT that originally aired on January 22nd, 2014. And joining us in that challenge is someone we've been wanting to have on this show for a very long time. From the Tighten Up the Defense podcast, it's Hub. It is Hub! Hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for coming. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here. I also like being introduced as being from somewhere because it does remind <laughs> me of pro wrestling. <laughs> I can give so you a full on pro wrestling entrance if you want. Uh, no, that's okay. I, I okay. It would go to my head and drive everyone around me insane. Welcome to episode 36 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, there were a bunch of dudes wrestling and it was kind of lame. So we Mm. thought for this episode, we'd bring in a dude of our own who's fucking awesome. Yeah. This is how it's done, NXT. This is how you do it. Oh, jeez. From Fighting Up the Defense is here. Hub, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks. Uh, I am a big fan of your show and uh, also really enjoyed watching this episode. So thanks for having me on for it. It's been a while since I've watched pro wrestling, so it was nice to dip my toe back into that water. And I ended up actually like just kind of leaving play on after this one was like, oh, yeah, I like these. Aww. Nice. Hub, we usually like to start off the show when we have a guest by just uh, asking you a few questions. And so since uh, this is your first time joining us here on uh, The Next Wrestling Fan, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with pro wrestling and your relationship with NXT specifically? Yeah, my relationship with pro wrestling is kind of similar to my relationship with a lot of pop culture. Uh, mm. When I was a little kid, we didn't really have much exposure to contemporary pop culture. We had a black and white 12-inch television that basically just got PBS on a good day. It could get the local NBC affiliate, but we usually weren't allowed to watch that. I kind of viewed pro wrestling from afar through the context of my friends who were into it. And when I would get brief glimpses of it, and this was the case with most pop culture that was coming out at the time, I would just be totally immersed and would like kind of study it and be like, this is fascinating. I want to learn everything about this. Mm -hmm. With pro wrestling specifically, the first exposure I had to it wasn't through TV appearances. It was through trading cards. Oh, Um, There were these WWF pro wrestling trading cards, and I had a friend who had some, and I was like, well, we're not going to get cable, but I could get some of those cards at Morass's, the local variety (laughs) store. Where is this? In Farmington, New Hampshire. Okay. Morass's for all your 1984 (laughs) (laughs) shitty trading cards needs. (laughs) But we would walk down there, and I would give the gum to my older sister. I would then try to learn about the wrestlers from the back of the cards, and would with my friends play a game where you would like flip the cards in the air and if it landed side up then it would win and if it landed side down then it would lose and you would trade your cards that way Mm. Uh, kind of like a 
proto half-ass version of Pogs, I think. Mm, sure, yeah. I like it. So from that, uh, my favorite pro wrestler was the one that had the card that was probably a little bit off center and seemed to win the most, and that was <laughs> and that was Tito Santana. And I decided he was the best wrestler, and uh, I kind of hold by that. <laughs> I mean, I mean the math works. <laughs> he had the first match at WrestleMania, and WrestleMania seemed to go pretty good after that. It went, it went pretty well. <laughs> I also want to say real quick that uh, that you can just tell the kind of people that you're dealing with here, audience, by the fact that all of us just heard the word "pogs" and just like kind of nodded, like because we knew what that was. That's a very specific age group we're working with here in the, this group of hosts. A few years later, my parents got divorced, and my dad won a big screen color TV in a raffle, and my grandfather got us cable for a couple of years, and nice. then it was just like. Oh, this is pro wrestling. Um, oh, wow. I had already decided that I liked it, so I did. Um, <laughs> you know, with that, like, kind of the combination of, like, the enthusiasm of a child and the zealotry of a convert. Yes. Um, and it was yeah. kind of, that was my attitude towards pop culture in general, but specifically pro wrestling. And since then, I've dipped in and out of it a few different sure. times, largely mirroring my access to cable television, but also for various other reasons. And, uh, yeah, it's with varying degrees of intensity. I've followed it since then. I think that's a really common way to engage with wrestling. Honestly, I think a lot of people kind of have their, their ebbs and flows, their ups and downs with very like there. I think everybody has like, Oh, I just missed that entire period of like mm. WWE or whatever. Or like, I never, you know, watched uh, the, the heyday of ring of honor or something. You know, everybody's got their, their blind spots in wrestling in the times when they were kind of into it and kind of out of it. Um, which I think is a really interesting thing about the, the fandom. What about NXT hub? How familiar were you with this product going into our recording today? So this era of NXT I've never seen. A few years ago, my wife got me a subscription to the network, the WWE network. I forget that it's just called the network by yeah. people. And I find that I'm like, oh, so official. It's appropriately ominous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I watched it and was like, eh, some, some of this stuff's good, but NXT was the one that absolutely sucked me in. And when I started watching it was a very good time to start watching it. It was the breakup of DIY was the first NXT thing that I saw. Oh, um, well, then, yeah, that's yeah, that that's, was some good shit right and, around that time. Yeah. And so I was like, this show is amazing. And it quickly became pretty much the only thing I was watching on the WWE Network. I followed it for a little while and really never stopped liking the NXT. It stayed pretty consistently the best thing on that network. But there reached a certain point where I could not justify giving Vince McMahon money. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It was they brought back Hulk Hogan again, yeah, and yeah. I was like, and they're going back to Saudi Arabia. Huh. Mm -hmm. I, yep. I can't do this. I still keep apprised of what's happening. I'm back to, like, my early childhood appreciation of pro wrestling where I don't actually watch it, but I try to study it when I can so that I can talk mm. about it with people who do. Sure. Um, and every time I think about dipping my toe back in, it seems like a, another 
person that I liked turns out to be a fucking monster. So (laughs) it's like, dip my toe in. Oh, these waters are horribly problematic. Guess (laughs) I'll dry off again. That's always the issue with with wrestling is that the waters are horribly problematic. Yeah. You know, it's nice now, at least there's so many different options. There's so many different streaming services. You don't have to follow WWE. And I've talked about this before, but I'm just very gratified that by this point in our coverage, people can follow the show on Hulu without yeah. having yeah. to subscribe to the WWE network, which was, I uh, I didn't like at the, the beginning when we first started. I thought we had to start it in 2013, but like, it was a shame that we had to tell people like, if you want to follow along, you gotta give yeah. Vince your money. Yeah, I was pretty relieved that uh, I was able to watch it on Hulu, although I have no idea how Hulu works, so I don't know if the WWF gets money off of that. I'm sorry, WWE. I'm showing yeah, my age know. there. I don't know either. <laughs> you know, you're probably paying for it anyway. At least we are. Yeah. Well, sorry, I'm a millennial. My cousin is paying for it. And <laughs> the password. So Nice. Hub is going to be joining us for Bob's Breakdown, as well as for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. He will not be participating in the cheap pop quiz, but he will be helping me uh, tighten up the defense against Bob's questioning. That's terrible. (laughs) That's not even like a little bit good. Anyway, before we can do any of that, we need to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. (laughs) Bob currently has six points. This is our fourth round of quizzing. Bob, how do you think you did on this one? Actually, I think I did really well. And now that I'm recalling, I think I... Miles, I think you're in real danger. I know. Look, I'm sorry. I'm getting smarter. I'm sorry. The odds were very against it. Question number one from the last episode. Next episode is a fairly momentous occasion as we have a new NXT ring announcer. Her name is Eden. But Bob, because you're a viewer of all elite wrestling, you know her by another name. What name would that be? Was it A, Britt Baker, B, Penelope Ford, C, Ivelisse, D, Aubrey Edwards, or E, Brandy Rhodes? Bob, you went with E, Brandy Rhodes, and you were correct. I'm very pleased. I kind of wanted it to be Aubrey Edwards, but just because I really love her so much. But Brandy Rhodes was good. Yeah, she's very good at her job. At this job, anyway. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about her uh, $50 uh, women's club. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm, mm. Question number two. Eden isn't the only new person you're going to be introduced to on the next episode. Who else is showing up in our coverage for the first time? Is it A, a jobber with a cowboy gimmick named Wesley Blake? B, Sin Cara, a.k.a. Hunico's new slash old masked luchador character? C, Main roster superstar The Miz and the super annoying thing he was doing at the time where he just said the word really over and over again. D, both A and C, or E, all of the above. I thought I might get you with uh, throwing that both A and C answer in there because I don't usually do that. But you stuck with your guns and (laughs) did all of the above as you always do when an option is available to you. (laughs) And I should have known better because that was correct. (laughs) I can't resist. It's so shiny. (laughs) Good old rock. Nothing beats rock. Yeah. (laughs) Question number three. In addition to the newcomers, we also have a long-awaited return as Charlotte Flair is back in the building, finally reuniting all three members of the BFFs. What does she do in the next episode? A. She does a backstage interview with Devin and accompanies Summer and Sasha to the ring for Summer's match against Natalya. B. She does a backstage interview with Devin but doesn't accompany Summer and Sasha to the ring for Summer's match against Natalya. 
C. She accompanies Summer and Sasha to the ring for Summer's match against Natalia and attacks Bailey, who was there to support Natalia after the match. D. She accompanies Summer and Sasha to the ring for Summer's match against Natalia and gets attacked by Bailey, who was there to support Natalia after the match. Or E. She accompanies Summer and Sasha to the ring for Summer's match against Natalia, but when she and Bailey both interfere in the match, Triple H appears and restarts the contest as a tag team match with Bailey and Natasha against Summer and Charlotte. Bob, I have no idea fucking how, but you guessed B, and that was the right answer. How fuck you guess that right? Because I know that NXT is very narratively lazy and doesn't <laughs> always follow through the natural conclusion of a thing. So I thought, what would I do if I was tired writing halfway through a thing and went, I'm done. <laughs> I have a suspicion that the reason this happened is because they taped the interview and they just kind of slapped it onto this episode, even though this match was from like a previous taping where she hadn't been there. Uh, That's my suspicion. I can't, I can't back that up. I have but. my own suspicion, which is mm, that, that after taping that segment, they were like, wow, seems like Charlotte's on a shitload of ecstasy right now. She should stay back here and drink a lot of water and can't go out to the match. <laughs> you know what? That very well could be. And we will get into that. And so many other things, Right now, in Bob's Breakdown. So we see our commentary team, and thank God that Tensai is there and that A-Rai isn't. I felt a level of gratefulness. And also, I hadn't seen Tensai before, really. And I didn't know that he had this triple lip piercing. So I was like, oh, this is kind of hot. And I'm not really ready for anything to be hot this early in the show. (laughs) I felt a little ambushed. Are you aware of his old wrestling name? No. He originally went went by the ring name Prince Albert. (gasps) Oh, God damn it. (laughs) I I don't want to. I have enough people I think are hot. I don't need more, Hub. If that's not enough, Bob, he used to wrestle shirtless, and uh, he's a very hirsute individual. I do kind of uh, like a bear type. Yeah, and the crowd would always, when he was a heel, the crowd would chant at him, shave your back, shave Aww. your back. But he didn't. Way to stay strong, <laughs> He refused. Buddy. He stuck to his principles. <laughs> I don't know. There's still no William Regal. It's not that much of an improvement on commentary, but the absence of Alex Riley does make things a little bit better. I mean, yeah, sometimes like having pain removed makes you think things are better whenever actually they're just less bad. And you know what? That's that's not nothing. I found that commentary on this match very distracting because there were big sections of it where it just seems like they had run it through Google Translate for no apparent reason (laughs) before putting it on the teleprompter because I kept like, that's not quite a phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some of the phrases that came up were, anyone who grew up in the rodeo is tough on my account. Oh, boy. I'm like, oh, Tensai had a few moments where he, like, he was mixing his metaphors and he, like, didn't quite get the phrase right. It's like a Zen Cohen where it's like, it's so (laughs) close to making sense. My mind can't function and concentrate on the match until I turn this into a sensical phrase. Tensai probably 
just was so impressed because we also learned he's never met a real life cowboy and is very excited about that, which is another thing he says on commentary with the delight of a child. Um, My assumption is that if he finds out anybody's been in the rodeo, he's just like, do you want my credit card? Here, here, take this. And then they're very tough on his account. (laughs) Okay. Sense has been achieved. Damn it. So match one and Adrian Neville gets his entrance and already in the ring is generic cowboy action figure, uh, Wesley Blake. (laughs) And the crowd is chanting for Neville already. And I'm super happy because it's like they finally get it. They get how great my Hobbit boy is. How have you not been doing this constantly? But, you know, they're on side now, so I'm not too angry. Um, I really think it is like Corey Graves is a black hole of crowd appreciation. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we couldn't see past all of yeah. this. So the bell goes and Wesley gets a hold on Neville's wrist, but Neville does this give me a second pointer finger and then he flips forward and backward and then a handspring and then a one-handed cartwheel and escapes the wrist lock and everyone is like, that was really good. And I was yeah, like, it, fucking right, it's good. He does it and like after he does, he has his hand out like this. Like he's just like, he's really playing to the crowd. He and is. They love it. Is that the part it. where while he's pulling on the guy's arm, he starts going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that's later. I think that's later. But it was it was a, like it's like, oh, is that the like Newcastle equivalent of all right, all right, all right, all right? Because <laughs> it seemed like it. it didn't seem like he was like excited about saying it. He's just like, nope, this is just a vocal tick that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Neville then introduces Blake to the turnbuckle forehead first, and guys, turnbuckle, mm. turnbuckle, mm, turnbuckle. So Blake lands a kick to the gut and gains momentum for like. Yeah, two seconds. But that was enough, because then after that, the crowd popped, you know, like a champagne bottle when Neville battled back with some hits and kicks. And then Blake is just lying there limply. And the camera does this very tight pan in on Neville's face. And it's like you can see the thought bubble forming that just says the red arrow. But he makes a face like he's never realized he does the red arrow before (laughs) in his life. And then he goes to the top and he fulfills the promise of that thought bubble and generic cowboy action figure is defeated and no doubt sentenced to another stint at the bottom of the toy chest. I would not be surprised if we're ringing the bell, perhaps. I mean, he was fine, but no, no, absolutely <gasps> oh, not. Is he fact, a thing? He do- I mean, he's a thing. He's, he's yeah. Okay. Wesley, all right. Wesley Blake is going to be a part of our lives. I don't see it, but all right. So I have a few questions. Neville is just coming off this big, interesting match with Breeze and they have him out here fighting a jobber. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a bit of a come down, but the crowd, self included, was really hot for it. And so I was wondering in wrestling, is it common to once somebody gets over with the crowd, you have to keep bringing them out to like stoke the fires of overness and be like, remember how much you love this guy? Don't forget that feeling. I think that's a, a fairly reasonable assessment. Like, by the end of the episode, it's very clear that we're transitioning. His actual step up is from the Tyler Breeze match to the championship match, another championship mm-hmm. match with Bo Dallas. And in fact, Breeze, you know, despite the quality of that match, Breeze himself was just kind of a stumbling block because Breeze was the reason he lost the first championship match against mm-hmm. Bo Dallas. So they're building them up for a, for a run at Bo's title. And uh, I think they said they're going to do it at the big uh, the big network event. So, yeah, periodically you just you send him out to beat the crap out of some guy that nobody's ever heard of to make you remember how great he is. Yeah. When okay. I first started watching pro wrestling in the 80s, there was a show called 
WWF superstars, I think, where it was oh, yeah. basically all squash matches. You oh, would get, what? You would get one match at the end of the show that would be two name wrestlers. But other than that, it was all pretty much matches like this where they would vary in quality. But it was like one person you've heard of, one person you hadn't. And it just kind of keeps a wrestler that they're trying to build hot without having to really worry about the writing of huh. like, well, we don't want to cool this guy off too much, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, you just feed them a series of squash matches. So I have a separate question for Hub. So as a comics aficionado, I am curious, which superhero do you think Neville maps most easily onto? And I think whenever Dan was here, Dan Mulcairn's vote was Red Hood, I believe. Huh. I could see him more of a Tim Drake than a Jason Todd because I don't hate Neville. Um, (laughs) I think maybe Aquaman. Interesting. Because he can do so many different things, but he is primarily associated with this one ability. For Aquaman, it's talking to fish. For Neville, it's doing flips and stuff. Uh When kind of not great writers get their hands on him, like, say, when Mm. he gets brought up to the main roster, they're like, Mm. oh, he's the guy who does the flips and shit. And they forgot, yeah, but he's also good at, you know, punching and leading a country and all of these other (laughs) things, you know? (laughs) Plus, he also has the hair kind of like a pirate Aquaman in the 90s. Okay. That's that's fair. I like that. I like that a lot. That's so interesting. So backstage, Devin is interviewing Summer Rae, Sasha Banks, and Charlotte Flair, and she's about a foot shorter than them. So it's like seeing this little swan get bullied by a bunch of flamingos. She's tiny. She's so tiny. Maybe it Um, was because she was so intimidated that she thought the name Sasha was pronounced seltzer. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. I did hear that and was like, why didn't they retake that? (laughs) That's not a hard retake. Maybe they just couldn't get a performance that good out of Charlotte again. Oh it my was God. <laughs> a little Tell me rough. about it. Um, Tell me okay. about it. Charlotte's doing some heel work saying, you know, oh, Bailey's dumb because she likes kittens and headbands. And it's about like that, audience. I'm not trying to throw too much shade upon Charlotte. I'm trying to be equitable <laughs> about this. She dropped the nobody and joined the somebodies, apparently. And the delivery is a little chatnarian with mm. a little too much valley girl seasoning thrown in there it it's fine but it made me appreciate how far charlotte has come yeah. absolutely I- she is now like one of the best heels like yeah. she is such a good talker and Watching this, it was an inexplicable performance. <laughs> I think yes. coupled with the fact that she made some very specific makeup choices at this time Mm. where she's just very, very shiny, very, very shiny and some like gold around her eyes and her lips were like very, very glossy. She really looked like she was on a bunch of ecstasy. Um, (laughs) And that was coupled by the fact that like she also like clearly seemed like she kind of wanted to hug Sasha and would like have her arm hover around her, but was like, no, I got to remember, I can't start just stroking her. Um, (laughs) And there was like at least one point where she was looking at her and it's like, 
you want to lick her face, don't you? You're about <laughs> to lick her face. Um, you know that Dr. Dre lyric? Yo, I just took some ecstasy. No telling yet what the effects could be. I feel like somebody needs to show this clip to Dre and be like, that's what the effects could be. <laughs> oh, boy. I am so struck by the makeup choices that Charlotte is making because they are very late 90s, early 2000s to mm. me and so it's weird that that's what she's doing but I don't know maybe I'm misremembering what was happening at that time but I definitely don't remember that level of glossiness and shininess being a thing at that point I so you, I'm sort you of mean struck in, in 2013 yeah I don't know am I totally off you were dating no. at that point right you, you, fuck no <laughs> oh okay are you fucking kidding me <laughs> I don't know I don't remember when 2013 was in time so like no, no. I don't know what was going on well I'm trying to tell you is that I was dating never is that, oh, oh honestly, okay all right in 2013 you, I actually I actually might have been dating in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> I was in college college was good for me that last time um <laughs> If it was a deliberate choice, I think the impetus behind it was probably the fact that it's a very kind of late 90s, early 2000s kind of gimmick. They're doing a very mean mm, girls thing, you know? Okay. And while, while to a certain extent that's timeless, I think they're doing it in a way that is really evocative of like, it feels like when I was in high school and that was the time period in which I yes. was in high school. Does that make sense? I, I, I feel like you are giving the makeup a lot of credit for being <laughs> I, narratively all... consistent, but I yes. am here for this argument. This is assuming it's deliberate. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if it wasn't, then, then that's fine. Whether or not things are deliberate on NXT is a real black box to be, I, I mean, in wrestling in general, it, it, you, you never know. You never yeah. know because they don't talk about it. And when they do, they're probably lying. So it's like, how are you supposed to get no, know anything? All right. So match number two, it's Xavier Woods and Rusev again. That's fine. I do like seeing Xavier Woods. I'm happy about that. Uh, Rusev has ditched his leather apron and somebody in the audience holds up a polite enough of this guy sign. And I was like... <laughs> Indeed, sign. Indeed. <laughs> that sign, you can hold that up throughout the show. Like, that sign had, will really get you get you some mileage out of that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was held up throughout the show several times. <laughs> yeah. Rightly yeah. so. So, Xavier starts out in control until Rusev just grabs Xavier and lovingly dips him. And then, less lovingly slaps him to the mat. <laughs> and Rusev holds up a fist, gestures to his fist, and then nods to himself like, Yeah, me and Fisty can do this. And now I want to assure you that I I don't like the name Fisty any more than you do. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there is not another obvious name for a fist. And if you have another option, I'm open to hearing it. Well, Fisto is already taken. So Exactly. This is the problem. If I had a nickel for every time I said the words, me and Fisty can do this. <laughs> I would have I would have no money whatsoever. I would be dead broke. <laughs> Rusev. <laughs> it's a horrifying phrase. I'm sorry I wrote it. I'm sorry I said it, but not enough to edit it out. So Rusev has Woods down on the mat and starts pulling on Woods' left arm like he's wrestling with a recalcitrant jar of pickles. And Woods is able to get out and gives Rusev a considerable dropkick and follows it up with a very loud knee to the face. He tries to pin, but Rusev gets him with a kick and then gets him into the accolade, only to stop accolading when Lana gives the signal. So he drops Woods, but Lana signals to get him back to accolading. And then Sinkata shows up. He does the most half-hearted leg scissors. It <laughs> 
<laughs> was not even a scissors. It's just like half a scissors. It was a sizz. So he does a sizz. And Rusev somehow gets thrown out of the ring by this. And Sinkara escorts Woods up the ramp. And I guess I just have some tepid feelings about it. The feelings one has towards a bowl of plain oatmeal is about how I feel about this. I think that's fair. To clarify, what happened there, Bob, is that Rusev locked in the accolade. Woods tapped out. So Rusev Mm -hmm. won the match. And then afterwards, Lana told Rusev to reapply the hold after the match was over. I will say, I think Lana was great. Like, I I, I think she's doing a wonderful job with her very limited character here. And I wish she had stuck with this version of the gimmick a little bit more. Yeah, Lana's attempts at actually being a wrestler don't traditionally go well. I think Mm. she's probably best known and will be best known for being the uh, person that was too injured to compete in the 2019 Royal Rumble, so Becky Lynch took her place and oh, won. Wow. Um, but as a manager, she's tremendous. And I th- I love the thing she does where she like kind of directs Rusev. Like afterwards taps out, he wins the match, he leaves the hold applied for a little while, and then he kind of lets it go. And then he looks over at Lana and Lana does the the you know Lana takes her own version of Fisty and she <laughs> fucking puts it up her and does the Rusev crush thing. And so he reapplies the hold and everything. I, I like her in that role. I think she does a really good job. Yeah, I it's, agree. Um, it's basically a straight Bridget Nielsen from Rocky Four. Yeah, exactly. Fun fact, Lana was in the first two Pitch Perfect movies. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about that now. And, you know, something else to really think about. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Match three. CJ Parker versus Cesaro. What the actual fuck? Why is this happening? Whose fever dream was this? It's a bizarre choice. And the fact that he does so well is almost more bizarre. I love this so much. Really? Okay. (laughs) I wasn't expecting to. Don't get me wrong. But I thought it was great. I think I really like CJ Parker, which is a weird thing to think and say. Okay. I'm not sure anybody's ever said those words. I didn't in know it was possible to feel those. Okay. I, I'm very curious about your journey with this. I will say that from an outside perspective, that it makes sense that a hippie and a rabid nationalist would fight. I will say they set up absolutely none of that. So it kind of didn't work, but fair enough. I don't love the optics, you know, looking back in 2020 of the rabid nationalist just like crushing the hippie like a grape. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, hey, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to try and like put some kind of silver lining to that, but there isn't one. I can't think of any. <laughs> that's OK. C.J. Parker, when I like I remember hearing the name first and thinking like, that sounds familiar. Do I know this wrestler? And eventually putting together, that's the name of Pamela Lee Anderson's character. On Baywatch. Is it oh really? My yes. God. What? Yeah. That, Her name is CJ Parker. Yes. Oh, that's. And th- that okay. can't be an unintentional decision. I, I mean, mean, I guess yeah. it could be, but I don't know. You'd think you'd do a Google search. So they lock up and credit to CJ Parker. He does some of that flippy shit to get out of the wrist lock that Neville did. And he deserved a little more than he got from the audience, which was a lone woo from someone. (laughs) (laughs) Just like general silence. And then woo. And you're like, all right, I see you lone wooer. Good for you. (laughs) So he tries to drop down onto Cesaro, but Cesaro gets his knees up and he locks Parker into something and the crowd gets kind of onside. 
But CJ Parker, instead of slapping the mat along with uh, the clapping of the crowd, instead decides to just start doing like air humps to get out of this lock. (laughs) I guess it worked because then he's able to, um, you know, battle back, get Cesaro on the ropes. He does that double knee thing that he does. And then he gets Cesaro onto his shoulders and he starts helicoptering to some audience reproach, pretty much. And then Cesaro returns the favor by doing the Cesaro swing and the audience devours it. Like they have never been so horny for counting rotations in their lives. The audacity of CJ Parker to attempt a spinny thing on Cesaro when Cesaro is the lord of spinny things, I think is the reason that got the crowd hot at him. I loved that exchange in the match so much. Like I did the too. airplane spin has always just been such a dumb, goofy move to begin with. Like the idea that that's going to make your opponent dizzy and that'll hurt him, but somehow it won't make you dizzy uh, yeah. has always been so dumb to me. But the execution of it here, it really lampshades how dumb that is because yeah, he, he puts him down and then, CJ Parker is like, whoa, I spun around way too much, dude. (laughs) And he's staggering around and Cesaro gets to do his superior smirk thing and then gives him the giant swing. And it's so good. Well, because here's the thing. It's specifically because it's Cesaro and he is the Lord of the Spinny Things. He is, as he will later be christened (laughs) by Paul Heyman, the King of Swing. So what? Yeah. This is early 2014. Like his giant swing is getting super over. And the thing is. Because he spends so much of his ring time spinning around, the airplane spin is not going to affect him as it is going to affect regular people. Because Cesaro, like uh, Wesley from Princess Bride with Iocane Powder, has built up an immunity to being spun around. So, And I love that. uh, It's possibly my favorite moment in the entire episode because that character work pays off. Character work. (laughs) That work of some kind pays off when (laughs) Parker is done spinning him and Cesaro's like... I'm not dizzy. You understand that I do this all the time, right? Here, let me make you dizzy instead. But it's also that like was character really work both ways because you get the idea that sometimes CJ Parker just spins around in a circle to get high. <laughs> yeah. yes! He's low on money, can't afford any weed. Guess I'll just spin around <laughs> in a circle till I fall down. Well, and he oh was in over his God. head. You know, He tried to spin with the best. He flew too close to the sun and he got spun mm-hmm. away from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, Cesaro pits Parker and it's over. I'm slightly come around on this match. Um, We also (laughs) learn about Tensai in this match that he loves the smell of patchouli. Boy. (laughs) Yeah, that was a whole thing. Well, Cesaro's music starts and then Sami Zayn's music. And he comes out on a crutch, which I was sort of like, when did this happen? Did he was he injured earlier? And I don't remember. No, this is our first time hearing about it. Okay. All right. Good. And he speaks about the two out of three falls match and how that's the one thing from his 2013 year that really just sticks in his craw. And he proposes a rematch. He's got to fix this. And Cesaro ambles over to Zane, takes the mic, looks at Zane, and just says no and throws the mic. Oh my God. I had so many romance <laughs> feelings about this. It is such a um, good moment. I also, oh my God. I love Sami Zayn, but he starts off this promo in such a weird way. It's like he comes out and doesn't address Cesaro, but gives kind of a general folksy intro. He starts off the promo <laughs> yes! by just saying like, 
So 2014's off to a bit <laughs> of a rocky start. I'm like, are you going to tell me how things have been going in Lake Wobegon, Sammy? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? It, it reminds me of like a few years ago, my dad decided he wanted to be folksy, like kind of out of nowhere. So I'd get these oh letters from him that would start off with, well, it looks like the squirrels are putting on fat for the winter. <laughs> Sammy, where did you get this from? It's the kind of promo that you would really expect somebody to cut, like, with nobody else in the ring, and then they come out to the ring, and they, because he's speaking to the audience, it's like, it's that kind of promo, and I don't know if they just, like, didn't have the time or what, No, but he comes out and he delivers it on the stage, because he's, I mean, you know, he's speaking directly to Cesaro, but it is weird that he has that kind of, like, that little intro tacked on. Okay, so, you guys aren't gonna care, this isn't for you, this is for me. Okay. This is for me. So there's this trope sometimes in romance where the heroine is like, look, okay, I need to be ruined. Like, I need to not be a virgin anymore. So for whatever reason, plot reasons, um, <laughs> marriage to uh, a dickwad. That's what's going on. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to marry that dickwad. So she goes to find the sexiest, horniest rake in town and is like, look, can we just do a sex? And then everything will be great. And right. like, you're a rake. You're into that, right? So let's, let's just do this. And he is like scandalized. He's like, oh, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't go around ruining innocent maidens i only hang out with like saucy widows that's my thing (laughs) and so he turns her down flat because he's insulted that she would think that about him and that is what i had i was like oh my god cesaro is the rake and sammy's the innocent maiden and he just wants to be ruined with this fucking match and um so basically what has to happen is that sammy keeps asking cesaro for this they forcing them to spend more and more time together mm. till eventually cesaro can't not see how sparkly zane's eyes are how pink his cheeks are or something which cheeks <laughs> I don't know. It depends on whether we go backstage to the locker room or not. Um, and then, you know, they have to become tag team partners and because they, uh, they love each other so much now. I got to say, I love that description. Maybe not as tough a question, but I don't know. Who is CJ Parker in comics and who is Cesaro? Okay. Uh, Cesaro is actually pretty easy for me. He's Martian Manhunter. Oh, he has all the powers. He can do anything. There is no logical reason why he isn't just Superman and running everything. He's just so good. I'm I'm sure at some point he's in the back eating Oreo cookies. I don't know if that man has ever consumed a calorie, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) He just turns them intangible after they're in his stomach. There you go. It's one of his many powers. Um, CJ Parker. I'm going to say he's speedball. What's a speedball? <laughs> oh, it's when I mean, you take heroin and cocaine together. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting such an education. He was a kind of minor character who I actually really liked uh, in the New Warriors. He bounced around a lot. He was very goofy and nobody ever took him seriously. And he had very specific hair. I liked him and nobody else did. So no. that's why I think CJ Parker is speedball. <laughs> This is the most I have liked C.J. Parker after this backstage thing that we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I have to tell you at this point that when I was younger, The New Warriors was my favorite comic book and Speedball was my favorite New Warrior. Oh, so good. We are kindred spirits in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, I was huge into New Warriors. I loved Speedball. He was the best. 
Personally, I think he's he's a little bit uh, beyond CJ Parker's pay grade <laughs> in terms of as, if we're talking comparisons, but that's fine. The other point where they diverge is that uh, CJ Parker could only be improved by a heel turn, whereas Oof, uh, yeah. Penance is an abomination that I refuse to accept ever happened ever. Yeah, nope. I am on the same page with you with that. It was the worst, dumbest, laziest thing they could have done with that character that made no sense. Yes. I did like that they gave him his powers back, though, through his cat that was named after Niels Bohr. So <laughs> that's well, I mean, you have to do the cat. The cat's important. <laughs> so the Miz, he's feeling, quote, saucy. But this sauciness is spoiled by CJ Parker coming backstage to complain that no matter what he does, the audience boos him. So the Miz repeats really like he's forgotten his line. And then he remembers and gets on Parker's times. case. Do you need yes, to say he four sure times? Does. Three, maybe. I could see three. I'm sorry, Bob. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But <laughs> four? No, you're right. You're right, and you should say it. He gets on Parker's case about being disrespectful because, you know, you shouldn't come back and interrupt people. And Parker tells him to stop spewing this toxic waste, hot boy. (laughs) I (laughs) love that so much. Oh, Christ, it was so good. And then he slaps the Miz in the face and Parker heads off and the camera turns to the Miz and the Miz touches his cheek and smiles like, boy, he's something, huh? (laughs) Did I write this episode of NXT? In a fugue state. Yeah, what is going on? I was just like, this is just full of weird romance tropes. And I'm just like, this is very bizarre. It is such a weird moment. And I, I, this was where it really cemented. I was like, no, I think I love CJ Parker. And I think The Miz loves CJ Parker. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, his specific line and line reading of... You must have a ginormous carbon footprint because you are spewing all kinds of toxic waste, oh. hot boy. <laughs> it's it was so good. So, I felt that backstage segment. I was like, all right, I maybe I am going to really start liking CJ Parker because that was fucking delightful. They never let you like him. He he's mm. I think he's doing very good as a comedy character. This seemed like a heel turn. He needs a heel turn, but... I hope it is. There's always been... I think we've always seen things in C.J. Parker matches that we've enjoyed. But the gimmick is just so... I think we talked about it before, Bob. Like, it almost feels like a hippie gimmick that was written by somebody who doesn't really know what hippies are. Like, you know, yeah. are hippies people who do this weird, like, spinny hand dance in the in the ring? Like, do they spin around on their bellies? Because, like, I've, I, I've known a, a lot of them. I was raised it. by them. I had never <laughs> seen any of them do that. And I think the reason is because they're, you know, a publicly traded PG company and they can't have him talk about how much he loves weed, which is what <laughs> most other companies do with hippie gimmicks. Uh, um, yeah. So, you know, I think there's a lot kind of going on here. I will say that um, this is not the first time CJ Parker has uh, called somebody hot boy. Uh, mm. We made fun of it at the time. Um, oh, we were wrong. Well, yeah. I, in the time between then and now, I have consumed the original three seasons of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. So... Uh, <laughs> Now, all I can think about when C.J. Parker says hot boy is Aang in season three in the Fire Nation when he's going around using hundred year old slang and calling everybody hotman. 
So uh, CJ Parker is now Aang to me, but uh, that, you know, aw. take that with however it goes. Cause I'm honestly not the biggest fan. <laughs> To me, I think I feel extra empathy for him from the same part of me that loved Speedball and loved like Blue Beetle and the JLI, where I feel like the WWF or WWE tends to do this thing where they will give somebody a comedy gimmick and they will commit to it and do their best to make it work. And once they do, they get punished for it. And no. it's, it's just always really frustrating for me because it's it's like, wait, no, they, they did the thing. They made it work. And the fact that they can do comedy doesn't take away their ability to do other things, which they've already demonstrated. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I think maybe my heart goes out a little bit more to CJ because I see him being put in that position. Also probably looks great in a one piece, right? So yeah. you could see him running down that beach. Oh, in totally. motion. <laughs> Some people live in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> So Renee is on commentary for match four. And of course, thank, she's a woman. Thank God. Yes. And you can't talk about women without another woman there. Um, <laughs> Not a terrible rever- rule for the WWF. Yeah, the reverse no, Bechdel I, test. I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they, they frankly need all the help they could get. And it's Natalia with Bailey at ringside and Summer Rae with Sasha Banks at ringside. And then... It's all this delicious technical hold for hold counter wrestling. And I really enjoyed it. Then they started doing other stuff, which I was also okay with. But I just want to see people like reverse a hold. It's so funny to me that even in these early days of NXT, the division that's consistently pulling out the most like technically sound wrestling every single fucking time is the women's division. I think it's so interesting. Mm hmm. Because I got to see Summer Rae try to choke Natalia with her thighs. And then Natalia bridge Summer Rae out of a pin. And then some sort of thing where they lock their arms behind their backs, which I wasn't totally clear what that was about. But yeah, they're, they're I was like, in for it. Back to back, their arms are locked. They're trying to like struggle. I believe what they're doing is they're each trying to uh, get backslide. the other one in the backslide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Natalia gets Summer Rae down the mat and runs at her from behind, stepping off of her back. There are definitely clubs where people would pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> sure. Summer Rae is not one of those people. And she locks in a hold on Natalia, pretzeling their legs together and trying to overstretch her inner thigh. And so Summer Rae gets her on the ropes and just wrecks her ankle. And Natalia gets her back with a suplex, though, and then turns to her trusty old sharpshooter and Summer Rae. With the most, like, pissed off cat expression, taps out. And I love the fact that Summer Rae taps out in outrage rather than in pain. Like, she's Mm. like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) Seriously? The thing you do, you did that? (laughs) Oh. I really like Natalia, and she's fucking great to watch. And so I had a question. The women's matches seem to be, like, getting really good. There's a sense that the narrative is improving and also that the move set is starting to fit everything that's mm. happening. Is that just Natalia or is it deeper than that? Do they have a new trainer now? I think she's been there since we started covering it, but you can definitely tell that her influence is being felt. And that trainer is Sarah Amato, a.k.a. Sarah Del Rey. She is one of the best women's wrestlers who has ever walked the earth. And uh, the fact that she is training the women's division in NXT, I think, is probably there's a direct correlation to how good the matches are. That having been said, Natalia has been here for a while and Natalia is fucking amazing in the ring. She can't talk. Yeah. And no one should ever ask her to. Man, she's so good in the ring. She's so not good on the mic. I wish they would just give her a manager. 
I, yes. Why would you not do that? Instead, they've have they have made her the manager in the past for other people, which makes no sense. No. Oh. I love the little like mini storyline in this match where at one point Summer hits a big uh, like spin kick on Natalia, which the camera angle I think was doing a lot of work on that spin kick because I don't think she actually came close to hitting her, but the <laughs> camera angle is so perfect that you, it's okay. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one where I was like, I was honestly a little bit confused as to whether it was supposed to connect because I was like, that's actually a pretty impressive Matrix style duck under it that she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the part that I'm supposed to be impressed by? No, I think you were supposed to be impressed by the kick. And then later she goes for it again and Natalia catches it, throws her to the ground, gets her in the sharpshooter. Mm. So I really I enjoyed that little element of it, even though the original kick, I think, was a little bit uh just a little off. Hmm. Just a hair. So who is Natalia's comic counterpart? 90% of the female characters in Marvel. They have the powers, but they've never really been written well. That's sad on many levels. Yeah. So backstage, Devin is interviewing Enzo and Cass, and then Aiden English strolls up to say, I'm still great. You're still trash. I'm going to sing for you to prove it. I get that that's his gimmick, but it's also kind of weird that he's still stuck <laughs> on the singing thing, even though he's like, well, but the job is to win matches. And But he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to beat you at singing some more. And Enzo says, absolutely not. Rolls his wheelchair off stage left, right over English's foot. I'm okay with this. It's not a bad comedy like segment. I, yeah. I think it kind of works. I wish I didn't know that Enzo and Cass were total garbage people because they're yes. actually yeah. pretty good at this in this. Yeah, yeah we, we've been struggling with that dilemma pretty much the whole show. <laughs> it's it's so weird. But like if I took it out of context, I would just be like, huh, little Scott Con and giant Scott Con are pretty <laughs> fine. Speaking of things that are pretty fine, uh, it's time for the Bo Dallas banner raising. <laughs> Yeah. Part of the audience stands up to turn their backs to him and his (laughs) unfortunately collared shirt. That shirt collar is so wide and so pointy that it looks like he has a small white bat around his neck. (laughs) And he gives a speech thanking his fourth grade teacher and his third cousin and all his believers. There is a single enthused scream from the audience. They get to the banner raising and it's just like a projection, I think. I don't even think it was actual fabric that just says Bo Dallas NXT champion 224 days. That's the developmental league. They don't have fabric money. <laughs> if, if they did, would Enzo be rolling around in an office chair that he claims is a wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> but Neville comes out to get on the mic and he came out here on behalf of you me and everyone to say shut up and the crowd starts chanting he's a wanker about Bo and Neville nods and he looks at the audience like oh look at all of you well done he looks really delighted by that (laughs) yeah you've made an effort to get to know my culture (laughs) yes and Neville says I'm here to kick your ass and get that championship from you and Bo Dallas's rejoinder is that he got his last title shot by beating a nobody, and it took him four minutes and 45 seconds to do it, Bo could definitely beat him in less time than that. So NXT Dad gets on the screen, NXT Dad being uh, Triple H. And, you know, he says, I'm going to give you a chance. Adrian Neville has to last four minutes and 45 seconds in the ring with Bo Dallas. He can get that championship shot on February 27th. The audience is like, nah, Dad, we wanted it now. But (laughs) it is what it is. 
and the beat the clock challenge starts right now. So I guess Bo Dallas is wrestling in slacks. That's right. And a pink shirt and cowboy boots. Yeah. I thought that was very brave of him to wrestle in cowboy boots. Not known for their traction, cowboy boots. (laughs) (laughs) Neville throws Bo to the outside and Bo lunges for the legs that Neville was using those legs for standing up purposes. But Bo is using them for slinging Neville to the outside purposes. (laughs) And Neville dodges a blow and gets back in and onto the apron for a boot to the head to Bo. And Bo grabs the NXT banner, the little ring skirt, and tugs it, causing Neville to land hard on the apron. The hardest part of the ring. <laughs> That's right. As we and everyone are contractually obligated to state That's when correct. anything happens involving the apron. Neville does get back into the ring, though, and Bo is like, suplex for your thoughts? <laughs> and Neville's thoughts are, stop driving your knee into my neck! Bo rips his shirt off. His hair is flowing. This is the most he's ever looked cool, I feel like. Okay. So Bo Dallas yo-yos Adrian Neville by the arm, spooling him out and then pulling him back in for an elbow to the face. And the third time he goes for it, Neville starts delivering those sharp little hobbity kicks to the knee. And there's 45 seconds. And Neville goes to the top and Bo Dallas rolls to the outside to recover. The clock is ticking down and Neville gives him a look like, what are you doing? Fine, let the clock run out. (laughs) And Bo cops on, runs for Neville, but Neville's like, "Uh, you had your chance. I'm not going to get back in the ring now. So he goes to the outside, the clock runs out, and Neville has his championship match. Bo tries to attack him after the bell goes. Neville beans him in the corner, leaps to the top for the red arrow, pins Bo, counts the three himself, and then stares contemplatively at that championship belt like it's the one ring. Mm. It's interesting because this episode has five matches on it and none of them last five minutes. And, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in this match, but I do love the moment where Neville's going for the red arrow. Bo rolls out of the ring. Neville, like, looks down on him, is like, okay, what should I do next? And then looks at the clock and realizes that there's like 20 seconds left. And he's like, oh, okay. And just like hops down. (laughs) (laughs) And gets out of the ring and runs out the clock. I was like, yeah, I love it when wrestlers are smart. I love it, too. (laughs) It's so rare to see a face be smart against a specifically chicken shit heel. And the fact that they did that in this match, I thought was really, really smart and really well done. And it is character building for both characters. Like it is Bo Dallas being like, well, I'm a chicken shit heel, so I'm going to do chicken shit stuff. And then realizing, oh, wait, not this time. I can't. (laughs) But it's too late. And then it's Neville isn't the typical like dumb meathead face who is like, well, I got to do the right thing. I just want to beat this guy up so much. I'll just charge in there. You know, I I thought it was really, really smart and really well played. I also loved Bo Dallas's performance, this particular era of him with that creepy grin that he has. Yes! I kept thinking, how did this guy convince Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman to get onto that spaceship with him? (laughs) (laughs) It is that kind of just like a a rictus grin that he's got on his face that is just like, oh shit, this guy's completely unhinged. As we always say about Bo Dallas on the show, what a normal human man from Earth. (laughs) Maybe that's why I identify with him so much, because I I mean, maybe so. I also and I can't overstate this enough, am a human man from Earth. Well, thank you for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode overall? 
It reminded me that I like NXT. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, it was really good. Natalia is just so watchable, like all the time. And I feel like maybe I do like technical wrestling, but I only like it when women do it, maybe. I don't know. With that, it is now time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? But watch. But watch. Uh, Wesley Blake's briefs mm. had a bucking bronco and a white ribbon above it that says Blake. And so my grandfather had... This is a weird story already. <laughs> what? That's a weird start to it, for sure. <laughs> Did not expect the next two words out of your mouth to be my grandfather. Yes. My grandfather had a Southwest art gallery. And so I grew up kind of around a lot of art of Broncos doing bucking. Okay. And um, it just was like, oh, man, I think he had that statue in his house. Like, that <laughs> definitely is a thing that was around. And also, I just like that it looks kind of like the banner you would see at the county fair. So I just enjoyed it. Miles, what did your elf I see? Okay, so before I just want to preface this real quick by saying I try not to get on this show too overwhelmingly heterosexual. Okay. That having been said, Brandy Rhodes is one of the hottest women walking the face of the earth. And (laughs) it was just I was just reminded of that as I am literally every time I see her. Mm. She is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen, regardless of gender. So I just really she, appreciate that's what my elf I saw, because it's always she just draws the eye. What can I say? She has a glow to her, yeah. like from the soul. All right. Hub, what did your elf I see? So mine is kind of a variation on butt watch. But watch. From the same match as your butt watch was from, Bob. Mm. Oh, man. I wonder if it's a thing that I also noticed, but we shall see. Was what you noticed the fact that the top of Neville's butt was super wet? Hub, it is exactly what I noticed. (laughs) I get it. I am always looking for a damp ass. I get it that you're going to get sweaty while you're wrestling, but it started off that way, like when he just got there, which... Leads me to the conclusion. Well, at first I thought he just dumped baby oil on his hair and some of it spilled Mm -hmm. down there. But I think it was intentional because (gasps) I think he knew later on he was going to get into a match with Bo Dallas. And Bo Dallas is a chicken shit heel who is going to try to win a match quickly. And how do you do that? (gasps) You grab the top of the tights. So I think he greased up that region of his upper butt lower back so that Bo Dallas (laughs) would not be able to find purchase on his briefs in a roll up. And we saw Bo use the tights not to not to pretty recently. So I think that is just some like deep character building that Neville was doing. Mm. That's an acceptable uh, explanation, uh, especially in opposition to the Occam's Razor explanation, which is that Neville has a sweaty butt. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Although I suppose all hobbits kind of have sweaty butts. Mm. Yeah, that was in the Silmarillion, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? 
I mean, they hurt a lot, but definitely Natalia looking off into sort of the weird middle distance and saying, my New Year's resolution is to get hungry and forget my manners. To get hungry and forget my manners. She said it like that was a country saying that the rest of us just didn't know. <laughs> and I'm like, no thing. one's ever said that before. <laughs> But she said it like, this is Cracker Barrel. Get hungry and forget your manners. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for it, Natalia. So it definitely had the feel of, and that's my new catchphrase. Um, (laughs) What kind of of catchphrase is that? It reminds me of like in middle school, I think I saw Young Guns 2 and Emilio Estevez's character, which I think is Billy the Kid, says, reap the whirlwind. And I think oh, I briefly dang. decided I was going to try to pepper that in the conversation. Yes. <laughs> and so it has that same kind of feel where it's just like, here's a thing I can say. And then pause and look for a reaction and be like, oh, everybody's politely ignoring it. Uh, <laughs> I know. I hate when that happens and you're like, oh, guys, guys, I'm a genius. And you're you're not recognizing that. Yeah. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? This is a weird thing that I went back to make sure. Was somebody rapping over Sami Zayn's music in this episode? Oh. So usually he comes out with the Yes. When he fucking came out to confront Cesaro, like there was like some weird rapping in his music. I swear to God. And I don't know if it's like just a weird thing that I didn't hear or if they're trying to do the thing that WWE does sometimes where they're like, oh, you're going to have the same music, but it's going to be like jazzed up in some weird way. You know, Oh no, I don't know. Anyway, that's what I heard. Hub, what did your Vulcan ears hear? My Vulcan ears heard Byron Saxon getting a phrase slightly wrong three times in a way that totally changed the meaning of it. Oh, tell me about it, please. The phrase he was trying to say was champing at the bit. Oh, no. It often gets misused as chomping at the bit, which I'm fine with because it means the exact same thing. So whatever. Yes. What Byron Saxon said, which has a very different meaning, is chomping at the bits <laughs> and yeah, he said it right? three times and i'm like that really changes things <laughs> and yes. did you just learn that phrase because you keep using it and you keep using it wrong and it makes me think that you think neville is gonna bite that guy's balls <laughs> yeah all right bob what did your human heart feel Just like a real appreciation for the fact that commentary can be good and sometimes it's important to have good commentary and we haven't had it for a while. Like just a reflection on the fact that it's it does serve a purpose, whether you think it does or not. Honestly, most wrestling commentary is pretty bad. Like it's it's, you're you're hard pressed a lot of the time to find like a really solid commentary team. What did your human heart feel? I just had a lot of Sami Zayn Cesaro feelings in this episode, which is not something that has never happened before. And we've we've actually yeah. talked about it in the breakdown, so I probably don't need to go into it a lot. But just Cesaro's complete dismissal of him oh. is whether or not you want to believe that they're in love or you don't. I just think it is the proper narrative path for this storyline. And I was into it. They're not in love yet. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What did your human heart feel? Ah. 
mostly just a combination of empathy and a real desire to just give Xavier Woods a hug and be like, hey, I know yes. things look bad, but they're going to be okay. Oh, boy. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's rough to watch that and just be like, yeah, okay, look, I know right now you've just been in two squash matches in a row, the second of which was supposed to be your revenge for the first squash match. And they got you coming out to the ring in generic black person music that they use for every other character who has any kind of a funk thing. But things are going to turn around. They're going to be bad for a while, but you're going to be okay. A new day is coming. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. And uh, we are closing in on the end of this episode. but We cannot depart without completing the cheap pop quiz. Bob, are you ready? (sighs) Oh, man. How close am I? You are one point away. Question number one. What is the main event of the next episode? Is it A, a wrestling match? (laughs) B, a contract signing? C, a contract signing that turns into a wrestling match? D, a contract signing that turns into a wrestling match and then turns back into a contract signing? Or E, a contract signing that turns into a wrestling match that turns back into a contract signing and then turns into a fight? I mean, I have to choose the last one. I dare to dream, Miles. Fair enough. Question number two. Next episode features a series of segments with Sylvester LaForte conducting interviews to choose his new client. Okay. Which wrestler agrees to work for him on one condition? Is it A, Mason Ryan, but only if LaForte defeats him in a wrestling match? B, Tyler Breeze, but only if LaForte takes a shower and gets a makeover? Mm. C, Aiden English, but only if LaFort can find him a tag team partner to help him go up against Enzo and Cass. D. Xavier Woods, but only if LaFort can help him get revenge against Rusev. Or E. Sami Zayn, but only if LaFort can get him a match against Cesaro. I guess Aiden English. I'm going with that. I, the Sami Zayn thing's possible, but I just can't even imagine how... Like, I don't think... That Sylvester LaFour and Sami Zayn exist in the same universe. (laughs) Okay, understood. So Aiden English is your answer. Yeah. And finally, question number three. And I know this question will resonate with you, Bob, because of your undying love for birds. Yes. Hashtag burbs with Bob. Yes. Question number three. What popular bird superstition does William Regal mention on commentary when talking about Um. Tyler Breeze? And uh, I would like to credit birdspot.co.uk for your assistance in helping me craft this question with your very handy list of bird-related superstitions. Oh, I love it. Is it A, killing an albatross is bad luck? B, a bird pooping on your head is good luck? (laughs) C, peacock feathers are bad luck? D, whatever you're doing when you hear the first cuckoo predicts your year... Or E, magpies carry a drop of the devil's blood under their tongue. Ooh. Oh, wow. All birds carry a drop Uh, of the devil's blood under their tongue. (laughs) I saw a roadrunner that definitely had some devil's blood under its tongue. All right, I'm going to use my 
my critical thinking skills. And I know there's a lot of stuff about magpies in like UK saying. So okay. I'm going to say the magpie one. All right. I don't Matt. know why he would say that, but like the fact that William Regal is there alone like that, that's enough for me. So whatever happens with this, I'm good. I think the correct answer is F. All birds will attack you. Easy mnemonic <laughs> device. If it has a cloaca, it's going to attack you. Now, you need to mispronounce <laughs> oh cloaca to make God. the phrase work, but I still <laughs> think it's worth it. Hub, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining it us. Has. Oh, uh, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. What would you like to tell us about uh, what you got going on right now that people can go check out? Oh, uh, well, there's my weekly show where I talk about New Teen Titans comics and Defenders comics. It's called Tighten Up the Defense. That's T-I-T-A-N. Uh, and you can find it on whatever podcast catcher you're looking for or on social media just by doing a Google search. If you spell Titan T-I-T-A-N, it'll show up. Just scroll past all the things about a certain Tennessee football team. Who definitely needs to tighten up their defense. <laughs> See, now, now I, I used to know one thing about the Tennessee Titans, but they traded Marcus Mariota, and now I know no things about the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> also, I do the voice of Merman and a little bit yeah. of writing on a show called Garden Plots with Skeletor. I don't know if you guys I've have heard of, heard that, of that, but it's a really oh, great man. show um, where uh, Skeletor... How do you describe the show? Skele <laughs> Skeletor... Now, now that you're one of the writers, you feel our pain about okay, this. Okay. I don't okay. know. Skeletor has a gardening podcast, and through listening to the... Sh oh, sorry. Skeletor... <laughs> Skeletor has a gardening podcast. That's definitely part of it. Right. And All this is staying in, by the way. Oh, good. No pressure. <laughs> and as he is dispensing gardening tips, you also see glimpses of his plots to try to overthrow Eternia. All right. All Kinda. right. There's a lot more in there. It's a weird show, but that's what makes it beautiful. I honestly think you guys probably just say Skeletor has a gardening podcast. That pretty much gives you the general idea. <laughs> Great. Now you fucking tell me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I should have asked this earlier, but I can swear on this show, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, then fuck you, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, Bob. As always, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, man, thank you. And thank you to Hub. Thank you, Hub. He's not he's not here. This is the uh, the the future part of the show. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but uh, I started <laughs> adding in. There was some confusion about when these episodes were being recorded. So I started adding in like a, a little fast forwardy sound effect for uh, for right before this part. So, you know, this is the part that was recorded recently as opposed to the previous part, which was recorded a while ago. So that's why Hub's not here for this. But we do love him. And it was a pleasure to have him on. And uh, you all should go listen to Titan up the defense like yeah, right now should. like turn this off now just don't even listen to the rest of this go listen to tighten up the defense oh tighten up the defense is so good although do also listen to this bit for because we have a cool announcement that's true we do uh we have a number of announcements the first one of course being that we have a new champion oh my god in the next wrestling fan federation i was worried Bob, that the tyrannical reign of Watership Doom was going to hang over this podcast like a dark cloud for a significant <laughs> period of time. But 
we have been saved from that fate by Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall. Harry has like a righteous fury on their side, and I think we're in good hands. So Henry, uh, one of our patrons who we assigned the name of uh, Harry Bumblespike in the kind of comedy gimmick knight character uh, yes. back on episode 24, Henry has uh, upped their pledge and become a $10 patron, which means that the bumbling comedy uh, medieval knight character has somehow become... NXT Wrestling Fan Federation champion. Why do you say somehow? I see this very clearly. Harry, Harriet sometimes, saw an evil that needed smiting and was like, you know what? I'm not necessarily, you know, the most powerful on the roster. I'm not necessarily the fastest. I'm not the most high flying. I'm not the most technical. But you know what I've got? I've got a sword and a can-do attitude and snuck up behind Watership Doom and bonked him on the back of the head with the flat of the sword. (laughs) and nobody thought to do that because everyone was like no we've got to do this the old-fashioned way and uh harry was like nah fuck that that's dumb like what we gotta do is we gotta end this evil reign of terror and you know like a fucking champ harry got in there and did what needed to be done thank you henry you're a freaking delight and we're so glad that you saved us from the reign of of watership doom it's a brave new world here the next wrestling fan federation we have a new champion better days to come in the light of our of our new savior thank you so much to henry if you want to know more about how all these events uh are coming together in more detailed fashion We have been planning for a while now to provide you with some updates from the Extreme Warfare Revenge game that I have been attempting to play uh, using our roster of characters. However, uh, we have been running into some hiccups. Bob and I did record an episode uh, about that, but it wasn't what we wanted it to be. No. um, Primarily because the experience of the game hasn't been what I wanted it to be because of the way the game operates in ways that I hadn't foreseen. So we've had some some difficulties. We are going to try to resolve those as soon as possible. I do want to provide all our patrons with some really good content in that regard. And I just don't think what we had was um, of a high enough quality to present. No, it definitely wasn't. I'm going to reset a little bit and uh, come at this from a different angle. But um, thank you so much for your patience. And please be advised that... uh, that will be coming at some point. However, to tide you over in the meantime, we do have some more stuff coming out, right, Bob? We sure do. You've already got the first romance novel bonus episode in which we talk about Ice Planet Barbarians. Yes. With Miles. And so we took the second book, the book that I super love, and I discussed it with Marissa Bond, David Waters, and Josh Vaskihuff, all of whom have read it and have largely positive feelings about it. We, I am loath to use the word gush because it is a romance novel that has very specific connotations in a romance novel. Mm. We lavish this book with the loving care and attention that it deserves and um, (laughs) explore every nook and cranny of it. And yeah, oh man, we go some places. We also talk about the series as a whole a little bit. And if you think that you know where the series is going, friend, you don't know anything about what Ruby Dixon's life is like. Ruby Dixon has big, big dreams, and they are weird. So that episode should be coming soon, uh, very very soon, actually. Keep an eye out for that as you listen to this. It may already be available in the next Wrestling Fan podcast feed. Yes. Um, we are still accepting, at this point, I believe, uh, donations to 
the Georgia runoff elections. I think we can extend it till about the 13th. That way, that'll give us enough time to still contact people and get a bonus episode in the works and get it up. Thank you, all of you who have already got your raffle tickets in. And so for every $5 you donate, that gets your name in the pot. So if you want five tickets, it's $25. And all you have to do is send us your confirmation with the number of dollars you donated. So that way we know how many times to put your name in there. And uh, the winner of that particular drawing will get to name a bonus episode of their choosing. So lots of stuff coming down the pike here, uh, the next wrestling fan. Thank you all so much for being patrons. If you're not patrons, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to become a patron or you're just considering it and you want to see what we have to offer, go over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan for all of that. We appreciate your support so much, even if it just comes in the form of being part of our audience. Thank you so much. Um, quick note about our uh, bi-monthly watch parties. We are simply not prepared to do one in December considering everything that's going on with the holidays and all our other bonus shit. So um, we will be doing our next watch party in January. So stay tuned for the details of that. New year, new watch party. It's going to be a good time. And with that, thank you so much for listening. We will see you again in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. The hardest part of the ring. <laughs> That's right. As we and everyone are contractually obligated to state That's when correct. anything happens involving Avrin. I don't think I've ever seen a match where they don't say it at some point. <laughs> it's pretty rare. It definitely was a thing that when I was watching wrestling with friends a couple of years ago, we would always make a point to be like, Ooh, the apron. I forget, is that the softest part of the ring? <laughs> what would you say its relative density is compared to the rest of the ring? I'm going to steal that bit until this episode comes out and then Neil hears it and knows that it's not my face. <laughs> and then I'm going to act like you stole it from me somehow. Oh, good call. I don't want to lose my credibility.